Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to We Are West Ham. We're bringing you a bonus episode this week. James and I normally release the pod along with Charlie Hawkins on Wednesday. No Charlie Hawkins today, unfortunately, but I think it's safe to say that the man we've replaced him with, although he doesn't eclipse, and I'm sure he's not half as talented at presenting the We Are West Ham podcast as Charlie Hawkins, I think it's fair to say that he's better at putting the ball in the back of the net. We've got one of West Ham's all-time great strikers, certainly one of the greatest from the modern era, we are absolutely delighted today to welcome for this bonus We Are West Ham episode, none other than Dean Ashton. England international career, unfortunately blighted by the injury, which is everyone knows about by now. It's been very well documented. We'll ask Dean about that. We'll ask him about his favourite memories from West Ham, what it's like playing under certain managers, of course, that FA Cup final. But Jonesy, certainly a big scoop for We Are West Ham and exciting one for the podcast today. Yeah, it's massive. I'm, I'm buzzing. I can't wait. Um, it's when you when you messaged me and said there's this opportunity to speak to Dean today. I, you know, I couldn't couldn't believe it. And it's uh, it's great to to have someone of his caliber on. Um, everyone knows uh, the goals he scored for the club, the quality goals he scored for the club, uh, the goal in the FA Cup final. Um, and you know, unfortunately, as you mentioned, he, his career was cut short cruelly through injury. But he'll always be remembered by West Ham fans as as a um, sort of not not so much a, a legend, but definitely a, a legendary striker as such. You know, someone that probably the last good striker we've had, um, or, or one of the best strikers we've had in, in the Premier League era. So I'm um, really really looking forward to speaking to Dean. Absolutely, I think this game of one-upmanship between me and you for high-caliber guests that we're managing to land is uh, is actually doing the wonder, the world of good for the podcast. You managed to land Bianca Westwood, who we've got on next week in our in our usual Wednesday morning edition. And uh, yeah, I think if we keep going like this, once we've claimed Dean Ashton in in a few weeks' time, God knows who we'll have on if we keep uh, outdoing each other. But one stat that did surprise me about Dean: nineteen goals. 
from 56 appearances for West Ham, just better than one in three. It doesn't sound like a lot, does it? For a man who, you know, is considered, like as you've said there by many, as one of West Ham's greatest strikers of, of modern times, it, I think it just doesn't seem... It was, it was there for such a short window of time, wasn't he? 56 games is, is barely even two seasons worth, really, is it? Yeah, no, I've, I mean, I've looked at stats before and, and thought, sort of initially thought the same, but then you have to remember that, you know, he got injured in the summer after he signed, after he had that, that decent first season with us. Um, spent an entire season out, then came back, scored, I think he scored 11, 11 goals that, that second season. That he had his third season at the club, but the second season he played, really. Um, and when you think that he scored those 11 goals essentially with a mangled ankle, and it just shows how good he was and how, you know, and had he not had that ankle injury, you know, how many more goals could he have scored in those 50-odd games? His um, goals-to-game ratio, with, with all things considered, is still so impressive. And, you know, we'll always look back, and I'm sure he would more, more than anyone else, look back and wonder how many goals he really could have scored for us. Well, that's it. Dean's career, obviously, unfortunately, he's remembered for that premature ending, but he's achieved so much in the time that he did play scoring in the FA Cup final, which we drew with Liverpool and beaten by the better man on the day in Steven Gerrard, of course. But the goal in the quarterfinal against Manchester City is one I always remember, probably my favourite goal of Dean's. And uh, I was up at Old Trafford for when he scored the overhead kick. We were already 4-0 down. So we'll ask him about those this afternoon, of course. But the, the main thing we want to do, obviously, is the new refer-a-friend scheme that we've started on We Are West Ham. Unfortunately, no one benefits financially, uh, either the guests, the listeners, and certainly not me and James. But we're going to put that to Dean this afternoon, the first refer-a-friend scheme, in the hope that we can get keep on getting these high-caliber guests on We Are West Ham. So we've, we've been on at Jimmy Walker for a while. He's been on the show before. We're trying to get him back on again. And uh, we know Jimmy and Dean are still in contact. So we'll, we'll ask Dean to put a good word in for us at the end of the pod later on. But Dean will be joining us just after the break. So stay tuned where we are West Ham pod interview Dean Ashton. So as promised, we are delighted here on We Are West Ham to be joined by none other than Dean Ashton, West Ham's legendary striker, Norwich and crew. But as we all know, that he's a, we, we like to think that he's still a hammer at heart. Dean, first of all, thanks very much for joining us. Um, and what we've been Pleasure. asking everyone, I'm sure you've been asked a thousand times, but how are you finding lockdown? How's everyone around you? Everyone's fine, yeah. The family's fine, thank you. Um, doing okay. Just I think just probably like most people, just muddling along and, and trying to find, um, you know, things to do and, and sort of ticking boxes. I find I'm a bit like, I don't know whether you've watched the film About a Boy with Hugh Grant, but if you have, <laughs> then I'm just getting my points in, whether it be, you know, emptying the laundry basket one point and just looking if I can see if I can get 10 points for the day and get my treat at the end. Dean, well, the, it's one of those things. We're obviously thrilled to have you on uh, We Are West Ham. We've had a few of your ex-teammates in the past. Danny Gavidon, Jimmy Walker have uh, been lucky enough to be joined by them. Marlon a couple of times. And Brilliant. one thing, unfortunately, when you know we, we put a lot of time in uh, beforehand and, and we always really appreciate when we get players of your calibre on the podcast and beforehand it's hard we're trying to think of of questions to ask and you all have had a million ones before 
about your injury. I feel like that's been that's been done to death. You've spoken about it time and time again. Most recently, I saw your interview with the Athletic, and yeah. I read something this morning about Paul Vasson, who scored in the 1980 Cup Winners' Cup semi-final for Arsenal at 18 years of age away at Juventus to put them through, and a couple of years later destroyed his knee. And by the time he was, unfortunately died at 39 after a long battle with drugs and really couldn't get his head around his career being wiped out at an early age. Obviously, yeah. you're a bit older, but rather than dwelling on that, what I, what I want to hear really from you is how has, how has your outlook changed over time? Because we all know what happened at the time and how you feel about the injury. How has, how has time changed that? Because I was interested to see that you, you felt you never really delved into the depth of despair you were lucky enough that you in your words to keep a grasp on reality yeah I think what's hard is that I think everyone expects um, me to start talking and maybe be close to tears and and um, and talk about you know probably the depths of depression that I perhaps went into and I find it difficult I didn't have that I just the thing is I spent a lot of time rehabbing and I knew where I was at as long along with um, some of the physios and my family and people like that knew that after once I had, um, played at, at West Brom my last game come off and then um, Zola took over and then I tried to get back I trained I only trained once to be honest uh, or maybe that was after Zola I'm not too sure but after that West Brom game I then never really recovered. I rehabbed, broke down, rehab broke down, operation broke down. But I was at a stage where, you know, as a 25-year-old, I couldn't, I couldn't get up in the morning and get downstairs. It took me about 20 minutes. I couldn't do very simple things at home. So there's no way I'm going to be a professional footballer for, for, for very long. So um, it was more of a longer period for me knowing that all right, I'll try absolutely everything I can. You throw as many operations at me and injections and what have you, and I'll give it a go. But deep down, how can I ever be a footballer if I can't just do simple things? So I had a period of time where I knew it was going to happen, and I wanted it to happen because mm -hmm. it was agony every day having to get up and try and get, get the thing moving. Um, and like I said, I have got a good grasp on reality, and football isn't part of reality I don't believe it's a fantasy world that I was lucky to be part of yeah. um but I kept I kept it as that um and and so you've then got when I life think, outside that right you got you know you've got a family and you've got another hopefully what 60 70 years of life to live I suppose that that's always in your mind but not perhaps always yeah I mean look don't get me wrong I had some days where I you know you just think why me it's not fair why does it have to happen to me it's something I've loved and worked hard at um, and, and felt as if I earned to have that taken away. Of course I'll have days like that. Of course I'll have days where I was bitter about other players getting to carry on their careers who maybe I knew weren't that bothered about football or, or were different type of characters. But that's just, that is just normal. I, I, I think it's normal to feel like that. Um, but yeah, I had a good grasp on reality. And, you know, you look around, especially at the moment, you know, there's a lot worse going on than hurting your ankle and not being able to to play football ever again. And I think people just find it hard to understand that I can be like that. But that's just the way that's the way I am. I am very, very, very level 
um, in terms of my emotions anyway. I'm not very up and down, so um, I've just been able to, to, to cope reasonably well. It sounds like it's quite unique in the world of football. Sorry, go on, James. You know, Dean, I was going to sort of kind of bring it back to your actual career rather than sort of post-retirement. And, you know, that first season at West Ham after you joined was a, a successful one, you know, with the FA Cup final. And West Ham fans remember your goal in that. Um, rather fortunate that the keeper spilled it at the time. Um, but everyone knows what happened in that game and the heartbreak that followed. What I want to know is, are there any, leaving, sort of leaving the pitch after that game, were there any regrets from you or any of the other players in, in the squad at the time um, after that, that perhaps, you know, you've kind of dwelled on, some of the players may have dwelled on shortly afterwards? I think it was difficult to come down, to, to, to sort of pick ourselves back up after that, because for, for most of us, that was the biggest day of our careers and, and possibly one of the only chances we might have had to have won a trophy as big as the FA Cup. So, yeah, that was that was low, definitely, in terms of the, the players. And I think that did affect things going into the, the season after that. But obviously, I wasn't a part of that that season. I didn't even watch training or particularly watch the game. So, I don't really know what happened that that next season. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think it did take a big toll on the players because of um, it being such a big occasion and getting so close and sort of feel as if you had it sort of snatched away from you. Um, but then again, it's great. Now I can look back and think, you know, we were playing against the European champions at that point who had beaten AC Milan in extra time on penalties up against us. And we took them all away. And to be honest, we deserve to win that final. If, if you asked everyone, I think they would say we deserve to win it. We were a better team in extra time as well and hit the post. Yeah. Um, and so it was just one of those one of those days where it wasn't going to go our wasn't going to go our way, um, and it's nice now I can look back and think I was part of one of the best FA Cup finals ever ever to be played, and that's that's quite nice. And it's nice to think that the thousands of times that I followed in on keepers because I was told to, it paid off. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's I mean it's it's great to hear really because I look back at that game now and people don't understand it where I say that's one of my favourite if not the best or most proudest days of a, as a West Ham supporter that FA Cup day. I know we lost but in my opinion we I keep all my Liverpool mate friends I tell them we drew anyway so we shared it and uh, we were beaten by. You know, we were witnessing world-class talent. It was beaten by Steven Gerrard FC, basically. His ball for Cissé, although the finish yeah. was outstanding. The finish was phenomenal. Everyone knows that. And uh, I watched the penalties back the other day. Poor old Anton looked dead on his feet as he was stepping up. When you look back at, at that whole time of your career, obviously, you, you're able to look back at it now and say, look, I played in a cup final whilst my career was cut short. There's plenty of players who play until their mid-30s will never get to play in or score in a cup final like you did. I read that you said when you left Norwich that you were quite selfish and you, you're you not one of those to say, oh, I've got unconditional love for a club. And I think while fans you know, consider you a West Ham boy now because perhaps you had your best years probably at the club, uh, I think it's fair to say you've admitted uh, being interested in a move to Newcastle that I think came up. There were some rumours about Tottenham. I've never heard you talk about those. Would it be fair to say that if the opportunity had come up while you, you enjoyed your time at West Ham, if the opportunity was there, you would have moved on? I think it, it certainly would have had to have been the right move. I, I wouldn't have moved sideways as such. It would have had to have been one of the top teams for me to, to move at that point because um, 
you know, I felt like West Ham was a was a massive club, and I, I understood that when I played for them and and the fan base. And I used to go anywhere in the world, and there'd be West Ham fans. Um, so it would have it would have had to have been a, a massive move. Um, the Newcastle one you're talking about that was pre the, the, the pre the move to West Ham. That was more <laughs> Norwich. I was looking at um, whether Newcastle were interested. You know, you hear rooms and such. The Tottenham one never ever heard heard a, a solid. Uh, room or anything about about Tottenham so for me I think probably you know I I wanted to win trophies that was the big thing in my in my dreams was to win trophies to be able to lift so that's what was so heart, heartbreaking about the FA Cup final was that was my dream to go and lift that trophy and kiss that trophy that for me and put yourself in the history books of a football club so that was my that was my idea really, and so I would have been selfish if, if the chance to join Manchester United at the time had come, then I'd have gone, and and that's just that's that's for me that is the way um, that I was looking at it at the time. Now I've finished, I see there's more importance actually in what club you choose, showing some real loyalty to that club and how that affects you then when you when you finish, but. Um, I think because I was never a fan of a club as such, I don't understand the fans' mentality. I never went to games. I never supported anybody. So I don't get why a football match would ruin your life. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, don't understand, I, don't under, I don't understand it. So when people say, oh, you know, and I see it in their face, see it in fans' face, the thought that you would play for any other club other than mine, mm -hmm. they look like they want to kill you if you say that you do. But, you know, at the time, I, you know, I, I, don't, I really don't have them feelings about being that, that real fan of a, of a club. So I was quite, yeah, I was quite selfish when I was playing. Was, it, was that just because you played? Did you just play when you were a kid? Is that all it was? Because was your, did your parents not really take you to football much or what was... No, no, it seems no. almost peculiar, isn't it? People trying to get their head around someone not having a football team who's played football. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I just, I watched the 1990 World Cup final and that got me hooked and I wanted to be a footballer from then on. But my dad never played football. My mum wasn't particularly sporty. My brother is the most unsporty person you would ever see trying to kick a football. <laughs> my, my uncle... Um, he played a little bit in, I think, Manchester United's youth team, but that's it. So I just didn't really have people around me that loved football and loved going to football. So in my world, it was just me and me in the back garden and watching it on telly. Dean, what was it? What was it like working under Alan Pardew at West Ham? You know, he's. he's He's had a lot of stick as a manager and a person in, in the press over the years. Um, and I'm just sort of really curious to, to find out sort of what it's like working under, under Pardew. I absolutely loved him. I loved him. From the minute I met him, um, when he took me, to, I met him at um, the Hilton at Dartford. And he, he just oozed confidence, as everyone knows. Um, and just put on like a PowerPoint presentation to me about how I was going to be the final piece in this team that he built and how the team was going to fit around me, how I could learn off Teddy sharing all these things just made me feel like Maradona when I walked out and made me want to sign for the football club. And from then on, I think obviously when a, when a manager signs you, he's always going to be pretty favorable to you anyway. And he, and he was in, in my case. Um, 
and I just love the fact that he was so confident. I think that sort of bred into the players, um, and he got on so well with all the players. I think, but the only problem is then when it came to the team doing poorly, I think that's when he struggled to really get that hard-edged point across because he was great with the players and and had that rapport with them to then turn around and, and have to give some home truths. I just don't think it. It really, um, it really affected the players as the way it should have done. But I loved being part of, of, of what he was like as a, as a manager. I think uh, the thing is as well, at West Ham, it was probably his peak. He was such a... It, it, people would look at him now and what he's done since and the, and the character or perceived character, should we say. But ultimately, he got West Ham to the FA Cup final, one of the greatest moments, certainly, in my time supporting West Ham and we, we were a fantastic team at the time and it, he obviously he got something really good going. Uh, just a shame that the way it crashed. Dean, one thing, there's I've seen you do your, your stuff with the West Ham uh, website recently with your two lads showing them the footage of, uh, of you smacking them in and, and them being quite, <laughs> quite surprised, Ethan and uh, Lucas, I think. And yeah. one, I think, my, my, looking back, in my, you mentioned that your FA Cup goal was your your favourite one because of the moment. My two, or my one, was the Man City away in the in the quarter final that year when you just you pulled out the Ronaldo Cruyff turn before you smashed it in with your left foot. But I, I remember being there at the, the Old Trafford as well for your overhead kick when I think we were already three or four nil down and thinking, oh, that's annoying because that was probably one of the best goals I've ever seen, but I'm still furious with the game. One, we saw Sebastian Haller put a similar one in, uh, an overhead kick for West Ham early this season, and he's looked decent. I think, he, he, for me, it seems he's been a little bit starved of service. What's your, what's your thoughts on him particularly and, uh, and the, sort of the general situation at the club at the moment? I think um, there's a very good player there in, in Sebastian Allaire. What I've seen, what I saw of him before he came to West Ham. When he first um, started with the team, he looked great. The way he held the ball, he's clearly got plenty of ability. He's big, he's strong. I'm not sure he's that, I'm not sure he's that aggressive considering his, considering his size. But that, I'm not going put to that, put that against him because I think he's got other attributes. But... But I think the one thing that surprised me most and the thing that you have to get over very quickly and cope with when you play for West Ham is as soon as the pressure of the team may be playing poorly and the crowd, especially at home, with some of the moans and groans, I just couldn't believe how quickly he went into his shell and how quickly he lost his way and lost what he was good at. Um, and I think that's so important. What do you with, think that um, was? Why do I think that was? Yeah. I think that's his, that must be his character. That's, that's mm. something you can't necessarily teach as such. You're either able to cope with you know, pressure or not. And obviously, I think he's still very young, but um, it's quite easy to start thinking either you have to do something that you think the supporters want or you stop doing the things that you are good at because you're, I wouldn't say hiding, but you're not as you're not as confident to go and get the ball. And you've, you've got to get back to basics. When the team are struggling, the one thing that, that struck me with Haller is that the minute Antonio comes on, he makes Haller look the worst player that we've ever seen because he doesn't run around the same as Antonio does. So Haller should, should learn from Antonio and go, well, hang on, he's just sprinted 20 yards to close someone down and won us a throw-in or not a throw-in, and the crowd have gone crazy. 
Mm. I need to do that then. So go and do that as well. And then if you suddenly score a goal or you, your touch comes back, then brilliant. But if not, at least you're getting the crowd on your side and you're running around and feel like you're giving something to the side, which I think um, once I got to West Ham, I'd already learned that. And that's something I, I felt I brought. How do, you, how do you feel of the sort of the current sort of football situation at West Ham? See, David Moyes came in after Pellegrini left and seemed to sort of give the give the cover a bit of a lift. Um, it hasn't worked out 100% yet, but there is a feeling that you know he's he's generally taking the club in the right direction now. Uh, the form was beginning to pick up before this current postponement. Um, do you see David Moyes sort of being the being the right man to take this club forward? Um, and you know, are there any improvements do you, do you think he needs to make in the summer? I think recruitment is so key at West Ham. I think over the past 10, 15 years, the recruitment hasn't been what it should be. It hasn't been what everyone would, would hope. There's been the odd player, of course, here and there. But generally, I think there hasn't been, I don't feel as if there's been a real sort of plan as to, as to where the team's going to be, regardless maybe of of, uh, of what manager comes in, there should be this ethos within the club, right, this is who we're trying to recruit. We're trying to recruit either young, athletic players or we're looking to, 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 to bring in a more sort of British-based team like we had under Pardew. Mm. Um, and, or, or, you know, in just what style of football are we going to play as a club and therefore bringing the right players in for that? It just feels as if, you know, we're the type of club that, that players that other other teams don't want, we're happy to have them and that shouldn't be the that shouldn't be the case. And that's the one thing that I think's been disappointing. And in terms of David Moyes, I think for the situation we're in right now, I think he is the right man. But do I see him building a, a team that the supporters are going to want to watch, that are going to produce good football and get results, which is obviously very, very difficult to do. I'm not sure he is that person for the long term future. Okay, just on that, on that, you, you talk about recruitment there. David Moyes has said previously that he wants the club to be in the market for, for you know the championship players, the up and coming players, and you know obviously you were one of those in the past. Um, and then you know we've had luck with Antonio Creswell and the likes before. Um, are there anyone, any players in the in the championship or even just the football league in general that you think you know could potentially fit the way and the, the style of play that David Moyes is, is trying to adopt at the club at the moment? Yeah, I think there's plenty. I think the only issue is they're expensive. Um, and I think that's, that's, that'll be the one thing that puts certainly West Ham and lots of clubs off buying the best championship players is they're very expensive. But I think they've got a good player in Bowman. It, I think that's one of the best signings I think we've, we've had in years in the right kind of player that you want at the club. Someone who is going to score goals and get in good positions. But if he makes a mistake, he's going to run back and chase. It's about knowing what I think the club is about, and that's about players that are going to work hard for the shirt that the supporters want. But also, you've got some flair players in there as well to excite, and players like Ollie Watkins at Brentford, Ben Rama's an unbelievable player. Um, I'm not saying that every single one's going to work, but there's plenty of talent um, in the Championship that West Ham, I think, are missing out on, possibly because they feel like they're too expensive. But like with Jared Bowen, you'd like to think that there's, a, there's, there's going to be um, you know, a, a decent sell-on from him because he's young and he's exciting. I'd hope, certainly hope, Dean, that there was more value for money in the Championship than we've got with Philippe Anderson so far. Yeah, 
when you've spoken about football in the past and your view on it, touched on it already in this episode about how your your general outlook on it seems to be quite unique in in football generally. You called it said it was more of a like more of a job for you. Would that be fair to say? Do you think it was more more of a job rather than perhaps what you see with Mark Noble and a lot of players who are quite into it, quite intense and obsessed with it? Did, did you find it easier to just see it as more of a job? No, I think I was. I just loved being a striker. So I loved training, shooting, scoring goals, playing matches. I love that side of it. But like you're saying about how passionate Mark Noble looks and, and other players, that just that just wasn't that just wasn't me. I'm quite a an introverted person anyway. So people wouldn't necessarily know what I'm what I'm thinking or how I'm feeling. I don't necessarily show my emotions that much. Um, anyway, but I absolutely, I just love the purity of you know when you go out and the, the it's it's the first day of pre-season, the grass is perfect, or it's the first day of the season and the nets are brand new, um, and things like that. They're the things that I absolutely I absolutely love. Now I love obviously love scoring goals, but it's still for me it's just it's a fantasy world. It's not real at all. Dean, uh, really really quick one for me. Um... Your best, obviously, everyone's still quite gutted over the move from Upton Park to London Stadium. Um, you were lucky enough to score plenty of goals at Upton Park. What is your best moment, your best memory from from that great football ground? I mean, obviously, there's yeah, there's there's plenty because um, it is such a special place, and I can understand why so many fans um, can't get to grips with the new with the new stadium. And it's such a shame we couldn't do something with the old stadium like other clubs have done. But for me, it's actually the Mark Noble testimonial. I think to have the stadium full of West Ham fans um, on a sunny day celebrating Mark Noble's um, West Ham career and to obviously score the goal that I did in front of my family and that that roar is something that will stay with me forever. That's the best roar I've ever heard um, after I scored a goal. I think that's just it's such a special memory for me to have and I think a lot of people actually it's, it's the one thing that they talk to me about um, is that is that sort of memory that they have from that from that game you weren't really up for it that day the way I think I read this morning <laughs> uh, I've been drinking the night before I had a bad back I knew I would just be subbed on the bench um, so yeah I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't necessarily feeling it but I'm so glad that I got my backside off the off the sofa and uh, got myself down there Brilliant. Dean Ashton, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for uh, sticking with us for a bit longer than I, I think you were supposed to. One thing that we do on the We Are West Ham podcast is we do, we've started a refer a friend scheme and it's basically to save our producer a bit of work. So what we ask our guests, if, if, if possible, they can uh, refer a friend on and we need a, a guest next time for you to text. And what we don't like to do normally is steer people in the right direction for who they ask to come on next time. But Jimmy Walker has been on the show in the past. He was due to come in the studio when we did this as a live radio station. And uh, we'd love nothing more than to get Jimmy on. So if we can rely on you to give him a nudge, tell him you've been on the We Are West Ham podcast and uh, tell him what a great time. What, and we called you good looking early on. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> Look, I think if you, if, you, if you offer him a beer, I think he's in. <laughs> that could be that's, it. That's what we've been going wrong all this time, isn't it? <laughs> Six cans of Fosters and we've got him. <laughs> exactly. Brilliant. 
So Dean Ashton has joined us on the We Are West Ham podcast today in association with Quest, the EFL show. The EFL on Quest is running a competition for fans to vote for the EFL goal of the season so far. And Dean is looking to recreate some of those that have reached the final in his back garden. The final is being voted on this Friday from 2pm live on Twitter. So visit at Quest TV on Twitter. That's the EFL goal of the season so far. They've now reached the final whittled it down to three goals and you can see them all vote for your favorite and hopefully see dean recreating them a few in his gardens that's at quest tv dean ashton thanks so much for joining us on the we are west ham podcast it's been absolutely brilliant no we kept you for longer than we were supposed to but you've been an absolute pleasure and it's a real honor for us to get to talk to someone of your caliber so we thanks very much for that and uh, good luck with everything and keep safe during lockdown no thank you very much for having me. can i just quickly say you just said about the quest i've actually i'm sat here with my boots on, <laughs> ready to go. The red and white specials as well. Specialities, you know it. Have you just come from the garden or are you going out to do them now? Uh, I'm going to go out now. It'll take me about an hour to warm up. <laughs> Great stuff. Dean, thanks very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. Wow, what an honour. Dean Ashton, one of West Ham's all-time great strikers, certainly one of my favourites from the modern era, although I did mention on the show a few weeks ago that I, you, I was guilty of sort of forgetting how good Dean was, obviously far too scared to mention it to him then while we were on, James, but what an absolute pleasure that was to have Dean Ashton. We've had lucky enough on this show to have some fantastic guests time and time again, but I think uh, it's safe to say that Dean's certainly up there with one of our best ever, would you agree? Oh, I definitely agree. He's um, have, we mentioned in in that little interview that um, he did that video with his sons on uh, West Ham's official official Twitter account where he was playing back some of his old goals. And watching that video back made me realise how brilliant of a striker he was. And I'm pretty sure we've not had a had a striker like him since. So yeah, it was it was a real honour to, to have him on and sort of hear him speak about his time at the club. Obviously that FA Cup final and sort of, you know, how he's approached early retirement. And, you know, it's quite impressive the way he's, the way he's managed to sort of overcome that and um, is, is the way he sees life and retirement and, and football in general is, you know, as you said before, is quite unique. And, yeah, it's just a real pleasure just listening to him speak for sort of 20, 20 30 minutes. I think that's, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you, you're right there. You've hit the nail on the head. What an absolute pleasure that was just to hear him talk. But it was really refreshing as well, I thought, to hear yeah. him say not as much, you know, I just thought of it as a job. But, you know, he mentions there that he, he, he was able to keep a grasp on reality. And I just, I, I really like that. You know, he obviously struggled at the time. He obviously gave it his best shot. But certainly as time's gone on, he's, he's able to look back and go, you know what, I still scored and, and played in an FA Cup final. And it, it's quite refreshing him not having that unconditional... He, he doesn't really play into the football narrative, does he? I imagine he's, no. he's, sort of, he's quite unpopular to the PR people at the Premier League who like this tribalism and how everyone's really committed to the cause and you're, you're scum if you leave a team, but you're the best thing ever if you stay forever. He seems really level-headed and and just quite a refreshing outlook on the whole thing. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting to say that he never actually supported a team. I think that probably he said is, is the main reason why he didn't really have that that sort of that tribalism or that connection to any club that he played for. 
Um, obviously, he always looks back with fondness on his time at the club. But as he as he said, you know, had he did had he got an offer from a bigger club, um, had that injury not happened, then he, he would have gone. And a lot of West Ham fans probably at the time would have been upset had that if that had happened, uh, without really knowing sort of what was going on in his head. So it was, it was quite nice to sort of hear uh, a different side. To, to a footballer's sort of mentality because we always hear of, you know, like Pochettino won't manage Barcelona because of his ties with um, Espanol. No, yeah. um, and, you know, certain players won't move clubs to rival clubs and stuff like that because of that tribalism involved. And it's, as you said, um, refreshing is the word that keeps coming up. And it, it really was because it was a different mentality, a different mindset that we're not used to hearing from, you know, current footballers or, or ex-footballers. I was interested in what you said about Seb Haller as well and how, you know, that although he's obviously a good player there, A, he's not quite as aggressive as he thinks he could be and it wouldn't hurt him to do a Mikhail Antonio, as you mentioned, and chase down a throw-in and do something that's going to get the crowd going rather than just sort of waiting for things to come to him and albeit finishing well when it, when it does. I hadn't really thought that because I've, I've tried to lay off the flack on, on Haller a little bit because I think the service has been poor and it must be difficult coming over from a new country. But what Dean's mentioned there, it isn't difficult, is it? Just to just to do a 30-yard sprint to shut down the left-back and maybe win a throw-in or at least get close to him so the crowd go, oh, there, there are perhaps some easy wins that um, that perhaps Haller's, Haller's missing out on at the moment which I, I thought was interesting. What did you make of um, his comments on the, the championship players? I think, you know, I mean, we've been linked with quite a lot a lot of championship players. And he mentioned Ollie Watkins at Brentford. I think we've already been linked with him in the past, sort of player that, attacking player, goal scorers. And it, as I said, it's great to see David Moyes sort of look to that. And Dean Ashton clearly agrees. You know, we've had success with that in the past. But as more and more clubs sort of start looking at that, that division, it's a very, very good good league a competitive league the players naturally get more expensive and as Dean said you know they're going to cost money down there um, but they're not going to cost as much as the likes of as you mentioned Philippe Anderson and stuff like that well, that's um, exactly what I thought when he said it yeah so it's it's definitely it's great that David Moyes is, is looking down there I think we've been linked with a couple of Nottingham Forest players over the last 24 hours or so and yeah he mentioned I think Ben Rama as well another really talented player at Brentford I think Brentford don't get promoted, and particularly Watkins and Ben Rama are two players that it won't be West Ham in for them. So, um, yeah, interesting to hear his thoughts on the EFL and challenging league with a lot of talent in there. So, why, why shouldn't clubs like West Ham or Newcastle or even Everton be looking at players down there? Because there is a lot of talent. Mm, obviously, obviously. I think um, the one thing, the, the most intriguing thing, that I thought he said on the whole thing was that it'll only take about four beers to get Jimmy Walker back on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where we've been going wrong, isn't it? Um, we've just been badgering him on Twitter. Turns out we need to invite him up the pub. Trouble is, yeah. trouble is, with social distancing in, in play and the pub's being closed, we might have a bit of a problem. We'll have to send him six beers via Ocado or get Asda delivery to his house or something. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. I mean, we, we've made a bit of a habit over the last few weeks, haven't we, of having beer and red wine on the pod. So, you know, if we... Some of us some of us more than others, of course. Uh, but yeah, well, I say some of us, just me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could dangle that carrot, carrot in front of him next time we message him and say, look, you know, we, we do... Have, it is a bit of a social affair as well. You know, pick your best bottle of red or, or your nice craft craft lager and we'll, um, we'll have, a bit, have a bit of fun with it. 
Absolutely, absolutely. But um, yeah, ab- absolute pleasure to have uh, a Dean Ashton on on the podcast. As we've released this, obviously as a bonus episode, Dean doing it in conjunction with Quest TV. So it's the EFL goal of the season vote that's going on on Quest TV's Twitter at the moment. So just go over, pop over to there and cast your vote. The final three goals are up already. That's at Quest TV on Twitter. But I think with another bumper episode coming next week, as as usual, James, Bianca Westwood from Sky Sports News, who huge West Ham fan, very well known. And you're just another great guest for the We Are West Ham podcast coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to getting Bianca on. We're really racking up the guests, aren't we, mate? Last The last episode, we had uh, the com- Committer Twins and we had Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian. Next week's Bianca Westwood. Um, as we already know, we're still desperately trying to get Jimmy Walker back on. Uh, and obviously now Dean Ashton. So yeah, next week's going to be a great one with Bianca. Looking forward to listen to her views on on the, the current state of affairs at the club and what's to come. Hopefully, can we can continue bringing our our listeners some some real top quality guests. Absolutely, absolutely. I think one thing we've mentioned it before, haven't we? We'll, we'll keep mentioning it. You can now get in touch with us via email, not just Twitter at wearewesthampod at gmail.com. We want to hear from you or from as many of you as possible. Let us know if you uh, want to hear from certain guests because we're, we're obviously always trying to get people on. But if you give us a steer, we're happy to try and track down someone that you want to hear from. That's wearewesthampod at gmail.com. If not, just let us know what you're up to, how you're getting on during lockdown. We've also got the parents of Dexter Langley, who's a young West Ham fan who hasn't been uh, who hasn't been too well recently, and he got, he was contacted by Jared Bowen at the club. So it's a bit of a sort of a feel good and a tough story at the same time coming up on on Wednesday's pod when that gets released. And yeah, we just as, as always get in touch. Follow us on Twitter. We are underscore West Ham on Twitter. Subscribe and tell all your friends and your family, anyone who supports West Ham or anyone who just likes big names like Dean Ashton and Bianca Westwood. Like and subscribe, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all your major podcast platforms. So do get in touch. Me and James are going to make a bit more of an effort to try and get a lot more of our content out on Twitter and online. So any shares, likes, all that sort of stuff. We appreciate all that, don't we? I think I've done it justice at the moment, Jonesy. But um, yeah, one of our best podcasts so far. A little bonus episode for the fans during the week, during lockdown. Have you got anything else to, to add on that one? No, I think it's nice to be able to bring these little bonus episodes and hopefully we can bring a few more to the table in the coming weeks and months. Um, you know, if any of them, you know, mention the email address there, if anyone's got any ideas of sort of bonus episodes or sort of spin-off episodes that we can do in the future or people would write, you know, want to listen to, you know, you and um, Reese did the, the Nostalgia series okay. over Christmas time, I think it was, wasn't it? So, you know, there's plenty of plenty more than just your weekly episode available. Um, so we want to hear from, from you as well and sort of, we'll give the fans what they want absolutely absolutely well (laughs) thanks very much once again one last time to Dean Ashton hopefully it's not the last time we get him on the show and perhaps in the next few months we can talk to him again when hopefully football is is back underway but for now that's all from me James and Dean thanks very much for listening this has been the We Are West Ham podcast and we'll see you next week Podcast Network.